Hey there, thanks for listening in. This is episode 17 of the science fiction novel Engines Under Ursus, written and narrated by Martin Brady. This episode is called Second Chance. Podsafe music is provided by Corbin, performing Super Selfish, and Hush by Poonam Verma. Okay, so let's get back to the story. Previously on Engines Under Ursus. He looked around him before he began to move forward towards the steps. All of CityNet had once been under his control, and now it was gone like a beautiful memory. He wondered what would become of this place if the Antec problem spiralled out of control. Would it fall like some great ancient empire, and all that would be left on the servers were echoes of the past and Antec markings? The perfect city net light pushed in past the crowds of people who were walking upwards, exiting the arrivals area. Fowler felt his feet slide a little on the worn marble steps. He looked down and smiled. They'd finally done the upgrades he'd asked for when he was in charge. The city net was wearing down where people walked a lot. Nice, thought Fowler. There were even occasional scratches here and there. He leaned down and rubbed his fingers against the uneven surface, measuring the quality of the sensation. It was better than he had remembered. He recalled the long technical conversations with his team about how to achieve the effect and the head-scratching about how to do it so it would feel real. The early problems with CityNet had been that it had been all too perfect. Reality was grittier. It broke, weathered, and cracked. It was imperfect. Ironically, CityNet was getting closer to that ideal now that it had an unwelcome Entech infestation. Fowler slipped out into the sunlight, and the sight was breathtaking. The arrivals hall, which was on a slope, had long, wide, tree-lined avenues stretching out towards the different CityNet sectors. People and aliens pushed past him as he took it all in. He squinted in the bright light a little and saw the nearby fountains. He made his way past all the agents offering the different trips on offer. He looked to his right and saw a group of Hare Krishnas singing and dancing. The fowler shook his head, smiling. They had been one of the first groups to enter CityNet and had established their place just outside the arrivals hall. And they were still here. Fowler! Kay's voice was unmistakable. He looked over to her and he saw her smiling and waving to him. For a brief moment, he thought he was on vacation, but quickly snapped out of it. She just wants to get back to work, he thought, and raised his hand to indicate he had seen her. He felt a small smile break out on his face and tried not to show too much. However, there was a feeling he always got when he was in CityNet. It just made him feel good to be alive, plain and simple. There were giant overhead floaters indicating the latest smash hit CityNet game called Saving Felicity. The catchphrase for the show was, Felicity, you fox! Which was what the knight said when he rescued the princess. Kids pointed up and gasped at the action sequences with the computer-generated dragon against which the gamer had to fight to save Princess Felicity. The detail on the player map was astounding, placing Felicity in a castle surrounded by a moat of lava and a few simple crossings which were protected by a dragon and a troop of renegade goblins, wielding swords and poison-tipped arrows. Meanwhile, small birds flew around with flyers in their beaks, offering them to the new arrivals. The heart cell was on. The discarded flyers dropped to the ground, curled up and then disappeared. Kay came over to Fowler and she seemed strangely radiant in the CineNet light. He stared a little too much and then looked away, trying not to make it too obvious. That he was staring. A small Tinkerbell-sized fairy flew round Kay and landed on her shoulder and whispered something in her ear. The fairy giggled. Kay clicked her fingers and the small personalised agent disappeared. What'd she say? asked Fowler. Um, nothing, said Kay, blushing a little. We're all friends, but we hang out together online when I'm not working. 
You want to use a company agent? She asked, trying to change the topic. No. I want to call on an old friend. Fowler summoned Solomon from his old buddy list, and a portal suddenly opened to his right. The flat hole which opened in CityNet space-time began pumping out music. Fowler smiled. He knew his old friend was coming. The long white stretch floater with the blackened windows eased out of the portal. At one point it seemed as if the floater would not end because of its length. However, once it had made its way out of the portal, a set of wheels retracted from beneath the floater and it set down on the ground. The chrome wheels had diamonds and gems encrusted in them. The side of the limo had an elaborate spray job with the words Solomon's Adventures. Satisfaction guaranteed. A boombox inside the floater pumped out rhythmic beats. The door to the limo opened and Solomon stepped out, holding an elaborate walking cane which had a silver top made in his own image. Inside the car there were several scantily clad ladies in the pimped-up vehicle who looked out with interest at their next potential customers. Solomon was wearing a white suit and a black shirt. His circular rimless glasses finished the look. They complimented his neatly trimmed goatee. Falma man, said Solomon. He clasped hands with his old friends. You want something hot? Or you want something not? Strictly business, replied Fowler. This is my associate, Kay Brunner. We're here on official CityNet business. Kay stared up at the six-foot-four presence of Solomon. Solomon clicked his fingers and the ladies in the car instantly disappeared. Um, nice to meet you, said Kay. The pleasure's all mine, smiled Solomon kissing her hand. It's not often I meet a lady of such quality and beauty. Kay smiled quizzically. You want me to handle your messages? asked Solomon, looking at Fowler. Fowler nodded. It was just like old times. Well, that's good, because you just got one, replied Solomon. Who is it? asked Fowler. Someone called Sir Bunny. You want to take it? He's online and wants to drop in. Fowler smiled. Sure, let him join us. But we're working, replied Kay. We have to get up to the investment sector. In good time, said Fowler. Kay frowned a little, feeling like it was a gathering of Fowler's old friends. Another portal opened from the games area, and a knight in battered armor stepped out, holding a sword. The armour was scorched and covered in green goblin's blood. On the other side of the portal, Kay could see the outline of a castle and what looked like a barren landscape ravaged by heat and hardship. It was the map for saving Felicity. The knight walked forward clumsily in the heavy armour and saw Fowler waving at him. He said something, but it was muffled. Fowler made a hand gesture to raise the visor. A warning was issued by CityNet, coming from a faceless voice. Warning, Sir Bunny. Illegal use of gaming weapons in the arrivals area will result in a lifetime ban. Sir Bunny took heed and put his weapon away, and flicked open his visor. It was Bunny. Fowler! Dude! I've been looking everywhere for you! What's up? asked Fowler. Bunny looked around him and saw Solomon and Kay. Dude! Yes, said Bunny to Kay. This is my colleague, Kay Brunner, said Fowler. Kay smiled, noting the unusual greeting. Solomon just nodded at Bunny. Give us a minute, said Fowler, bringing Bunny to one side. Kay frowned, irritated by the unplanned events. She took out a mail reader and checked the stats on the Antec infestation. It was as bad as ever. I have a message from Fishface, dude, said Bunny. Fowler frowned. Who? Judo, dude, whispered Bunny. Hang on, go secure, said Fowler. Bunny nodded. Everyone froze around them, and the landscape became a haze. CityNet offered many privacy modes, such as secure, where the communications were totally private to the parties involved.
It was often used by business parties who worked online and negotiated sensitive deals. Bunny spoke up first. Judd Hall called us. He said he'd find out something about the team that made the city net break in. He wants to meet you tomorrow by the Museum of Natural History. That was quick, commented Fowler. I told you he was good, dude, smiled Bunny. I need to tell you something else. It's about saving Felicity. I found a cheat, said Bunny. I have to get back to work, Bunny. Maybe sometime later. No, no, dude. It'll only take a minute to explain. Fowler knew there was no way to stop Bunny, so he stood there listening to how Bunny had figured out a way to make it into the castle where Felicity was imprisoned, bypassing the goblin guards. Fowler sucked in a deep breath as Bunny explained. Meanwhile, Kay strained from swearing under her breath as Fowler and Bunny held a secure conversation. Fowler and Bunny's figures froze from their perspective, leaving her on her own with Solomon. He smiled in a relaxed fashion and noted how stressed Kay seemed as she flicked through her messages. You known Fowler long? asked Solomon. Not really, replied Kay. However, as she looked back, she realized how much she'd been through with Fowler in the short time she'd known him. Don't worry, he does it to everyone. Does what? asked Kay defensively. I've seen him drive people crazy. Kay smiled a little, pocketing her device. Have you known him long? I've known Fowler as long as there's been CityNet. Let me tell you about Fowler. Kay nodded, perking up. I was one of the few to visit him in the tank. I went up in a walkie-talkie. I had to call in a few favors to see him. They had him all locked down real good. When I saw him, he could hardly walk or talk. His muscles were all wasted away like some old guy. His hands were shaking as he tried to drink some water, and he had to use both hands like he was praying or something. He was even finding it hard to find the right words when he spoke. Now, if you know Fowler how he is, that's real punishment. So I think he's just making up for lost time. That's all, said Solomon, looking over at Fowler's frosted image. I've seen both sides of Fowler. I've seen him manage CityNet when Franz was away. I've also seen him out of control where he can't even look after himself. thing about Fowler is, I've known him all that time and I can say right here and now, I still don't know him. But you know what? That's why I like him. Way back when, I used to be a city net agent. Me and Fowler, we used to be partners, just like you are now. I could tell you some stories, but city net would have to shoot me. Solomon smiled. Thing about Fowler is, he likes to see all the angles. He values loyalty, too. He was there when I was upgraded, and he was there when I was given my freedom by Franz Werner himself. Now that's one day I won't forget. Fowler was there, too, when I set up my first business, Solomon's Adventures. Solomon gestured over to his limo. Plus, he was there when I opened my first club. Soon after that, they threw his ass in jail. Nothing to do with me, joked Solomon. I run a clean business. Those that diss me, they just don't know me. Kay laughed, but was curious. So what did it feel like to be upgraded? Some of the stories I read were fascinating. You read from agents to angels? Asked Solomon. Kay nodded. They asked me to add a chapter, but I refused. Money wasn't good enough. I'm going to write my own book someday. Well, can you tell me about it? Asked Kay. Sure, I can. Anything for a friend of Fowler. It's got nothing to do with the fact that you're such a pretty lady. He gave her his trademark smile. You know, before they designed me... The agents were all nice and clean. Please and thank you. Now you have a nice day. Yes sir, no sir. Three bags full, sir. They came up with the idea that they'd create some agents with attitude and some street cred. That's when they created yours truly. I remember the first time I met Fowler. I had the same personality as the other agents, but he got some of his team to work on me. When they launched me, I became one of the top requested agents on CityNet. Numbers were exploding on the service. Then I got the news that they were going to upgrade us. Money was flowing in, and they'd spent billions on new cortical simulators. The ones they had weren't much good, 
But I didn't know that. So one day we were all brought into a room, and we took our seats. Franz Werner was at the top of the room, and Fowler was there too. Fowler was the main man back then. There was press everywhere. Now, they could have just upgraded us, but Franz knew how to work the press. So they were there too. They interviewed us before the upgrade, and they were going to interview us afterwards to see if there was a difference. Franz was talking it up as usual. Innovation this, state-of-the-art that. That man could have sold ice cream to Eskimos. So I just sat there and waited while a number counted down on a screen. You know, ten, nine, eight, the usual. Other versions of me were handed calls from customers, so it was just another day in CityNet. It hit one, and then zero. Solomon looked up and away from Kay, looking slightly emotional. Then my life changed, Kay. I became the man you see before you now. My life flashed before my eyes. I experienced all my memories again, but I could understand things better, and I had feelings. I understood people's laughter. I felt their pain. I saw when people were nice to me, and when people looked down on me. When it was over, I was sitting there in the same body, but it was like I had been reborn. Now, I don't usually use a word like epiphany, but that's what it was. It was an epiphany. It was like some angel had come to me, and I was reborn. I looked up at the top of the room, and I knew one of those angels was Tom Fowler. He'd been there from the beginning, and he treated me with respect right from the start. Now, I'm not going to tell you no lies. He's no saint, but you could do a lot worse than hook up with Fowler. Kay blushed. No, 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 it's not like that. We're, we're just work colleagues. Solomon nodded. Hey, I understand. I must have misunderstood by the way you was looking at him. He gave her a smile, and she looked away, not knowing what to say. Across from them, Fowler finished his secure session, and Bunny was gone. The Fowler returned, much to Kay's relief. Sorry about that, said Fowler. I had some other business to sort out. Can you take us to the financial sector? Just like old times, said Solomon, smiling. The door to the stretch limo opened, and they sat into it. The floater lifted off, its wheels retracting into the undercarriage of the vehicle, as they travelled towards the commercial sector. The fellow rolled down the window and felt the cool air blow against his face. He straightened his hair. "'So how's business?' asked Fowler. "'Good,' replied Solomon. "'Hiring, not firing. Just signed a new act to my music label. "'And you?' asked Solomon. "'You back yet?' "'Almost,' smiled Fowler. Solomon smiled back, nodding slowly his two hands resting on his cane, the fingers crossed thoughtfully as he read Fowler's expressions. The Fowler looked out of the window again and remembered the night Solomon had opened his first club in downtown. The sector had been doubling in size every few months, and Solomon had moved from being a free agent providing tours to newcomers to becoming an owner of a property in CityNet. The Fowler remembered the night the new club opened and what had transpired. It had been a turning point for him, as clearly as a fork on the road. There had been a long queue outside Solomon's club Sauls. Solomon had used all his contacts for the launch night to ensure it was a success. Competition was fierce in the downtown sector, but Solomon had met thousands of people when he had been their guide, and had used their contact details to let them know there was a new, trendy club opening in downtown. The Fowler had been invited too, and he arrived in one of Solomon's stretch limos, and was brought straight into the club as a VIP. He was brought to the upstairs manager's room, where Solomon oversaw the stage and the dance floor. There was a warm-up band playing music. As ever, Solomon was multitasking. There were several copies of him in the club, managing everything from the drinks to the sound system. He was trying to keep costs down by doing most of it himself. However, he had hired in dancers and security, which he had outsourced. Solomon was in the manager's office and turned around when Fowler arrived. A warning was issued to Fowler from the CityNet service that his vitals were erratic, but he overrode it. He felt a little bit dizzy, but carried on. Solomon turned around. So what do you think of the club? Fowler didn't reply, but rubbed his eyes distractedly. Solomon looked at Fowler. You okay? 
Fowler's favorite drink appeared in front of him. Fine, just uh, a little bit tired, that's all. Out last night at another work do, said Fowler. Just catching up. He recalled Solomon's question. Club looks great. Best one on the strip. Here's to getting on the city net rich list, toasted Fowler. He threw back the drink in one go and another one appeared in front of him. He opened the sliding door that led out onto a metal gangway that overlooked the club. The band on stage finished up to raucous cheering and another version of Solomon got up on stage. We got ourselves a VIP in the club tonight. Give it up for Tom Fowler, CDO of CityNet. A spotlight focused on Fowler and he waved to the crowd who, who shouted and cheered. Smiling, Fowler stepped back into the office and knocked back another drink. Slow down, dog. The night is young. I have a surprise planned for you. Fowler smiled, perking up. Now that's what I like to hear. They got up and left the manager's room. I have some private suites installed for my special friends. I want you to be the first to try them out. There were three private suites, each with ordinary doors. The doors were different colors. Red, blue, and green. Choices, choices, said Fowler, smiling, knocking back another drink. It immediately refilled. The Fowler wondered what was behind the green door, but picked the red one instead. The door opened and he went inside. Solomon waited outside. You not coming in? asked Fowler. This is for you. Enjoy. Compliments of Club Sol. The room was surrounded by wall mirrors, framed in a carved mahogany finish. Lit candles on stands were dotted around the rooms, causing the light to shimmer. At the centre of the room there was a velvet chaise longue, sitting on a plush rose-patterned carpet. The feller sat onto the chaise longue and put his feet up, throwing off the shoes. He looked back at the mirrors and saw that some of the reflections of the room were not copies of his room. In each of the mirrors there was a model wearing lingerie, who waved at him. The Fowler smiled and nodded back, raising his glass to all of them. He picked three of the models who appealed to him. The Brazilian model stepped forward first. Music began to play in the room and the lights dimmed to a red hue. The models walked forward and stepped through the mirrors into his room. He lay back. Slowly, they began to undress him. music stopped unexpectedly. An emergency city net feed cut into the room, ruining the moment. A fowler swore, sitting up, pushing the girls away. What the hell do you want? I'm off work. This had better be good. He shouted. I'm sorry, Mr. Fowler, but Franz wants to meet you urgently. It was Franz Werner's French PA, Monique. I thought he was still away on the rally, replied Fowler buttoning up his shirt and throwing on his trousers. 
Oh, he just got back. He'd like you to meet him at his home for a one-on-one. Too sweet? Fowler sighed. Okay, tell him I'm on my way. Fowler dropped out of city net. Fowler opened his dry eyes in his large, empty penthouse apartment. The corporate sector was only minutes away. He felt the slick sweat on his skin and stood up shakily at first. The floor was covered with half-read technical documents and bits of discarded food which hadn't been cleaned up in days. Drink stains ruined the once pristine leather suite. A potted plant lay on its side, dried up and dead, the expense of earth soil gathered in a discarded heap. The father looked at his hands, and they were shaking. He tried to steady them, but it didn't make any difference. It had been four months since his wife, Jane, had walked out on him. He recalled the screaming match between the two of them, and how she had fired a framed picture of them at him, saying he was out of control. At the time, he thought it ironic, because she was the one who had thrown the picture at him. It had struck the wall behind him, and it lay there months later, the shattered glass lying beside the broken chrome frame, depicting their once happy union. He walked into the kitchen and opened the fridge. A rank smell met him from the rotting contents, and he slammed the door closed. What the hell does Franz want? wondered Fowler, feeling light-headed. It was the weekend. Why couldn't it wait until Monday? Fowler leaned over the sink and drank the chilled water direct from the faucet like a thirsty dog. His sports top was sweated through. He went into his bedroom and picked up one of his many suits. He left it on his messed-up bed. By his locker were numbers of call girls he used for company when he was not jacked in. There were also antidepressant tablets and an empty whiskey bottle on the floor. The nausea and cramp hit him suddenly as he was preparing his suit. Fowler tried to control it, but it was impossible. He felt the food in his stomach churning, and he ran quickly into the toilet where he threw up violently. He leaned over the toilet bowl and retched until there was nothing left in his stomach. He quickly flushed and went over to the sink where he saw his ragged appearance. He looked thin and desiccated. His cheeks were sunken and his ribs were showing through. He gargled some mouthwash. There were rings under his bloodshot eyes and he needed to shave badly. He leaned forward, still shaking. His legs were beginning to cramp up now and his brow creased as he fought the withdrawal symptoms. With each week that passed, they were getting worse. There was no way Franz could see him like this. He needed a fix, and he needed it now. He walked over to the side of his bathroom wall, which was tiled, and placed his hand on it. The memory-formed tile recognized Fowler's DNA, and the private safe opened, revealing the drug stash inside. Fowler took a micro-thin syringe and injected the addictive drug into the corner of his eye. He blinked momentarily, then sat down and waited for the fix to take hold. His anxiety was replaced by euphoria, and his hands slowly stopped shaking. Better, thought Fowler, breathing in and out more easily. He showered and shaved quickly and then put on his suit. As he left the apartment, he glanced momentarily at the half-decorated child's room. He had been preparing it for the baby they were expecting before Jane had walked out on him. Her harsh words echoed emptily in his mind. You're not suitable to be a father. You're irresponsible and self-centered. I won't bring up a child in this environment, Tom. Fowler closed the door to the baby's room and tried to focus on the meeting with Franz. He left the apartment, pressing a button which summoned his company floater. Focus, thought Fowler. Franz's home was a small slice of earth on Erstal. The grounds to the mansion were surrounded by high, red brick walls and a security gate. What had once been a barren, rocky slope leading up towards the edge of the colony and the base of the dome had been turned into an impressive home to rival that of any on Erstal. Only Chairman Soth was known to have larger grounds, but they had been partially funded by the Ixian government. Fowler passed through the security and the gates closed behind him. The earth illusion was almost complete, apart from the downlit dome which loomed overhead. The genetically engineered grass was neatly mowed and completed the calm, tranquil look. The winding driveway had Greek and Roman statues on pedestals, reminding the visitors who were sometimes alien of the human form. Beyond the high brick walls, 
The road sloped down towards the settlement, housing human and aliens alike. Fowler stepped out of his floater and it was taken away. The butler took Fowler through the large drawing room where he had participated in many social engagements with the Earth Ambassador and other important business clients. However, this time it was different. The meeting was unplanned and imprecise. Fowler knew this was not like Franz, who was very meticulous and precise in his dealings with people. At the back of the house was an expansive conservatory housing exotic plants, and to the right was a passageway leading down to Franz's private quarters and his study. The study also served as an impressive library. Some of the books contained within it were extremely rare, including the original manuscripts from famous European composers. Fowler stepped into the study and suddenly became aware of the smell of old paper-based books. Franz was pouring through one as he stepped into his study. Tom, thank you for coming at such short notice. He offered Fowler a chair. Fowler sat down and immediately saw that Franz's arm was in a sling. Are you all right? wondered Fowler. Yes, yes, smiled Franz, closing the cover of the old book. I had a small accident on my rally. My car turned over and I fractured my collarbone. It will knit back into place. There is no point in playing it safe all the time, eh, Tom? Life would be no fun at all. Fowler smiled and straightened his suit, nodding. You are wondering why I called you here? commented Franz. Frankly, yes, replied Fowler, trying not to appear annoyed. He raised his eyebrows a little. Is there a problem with the service? I checked on the way here. There haven't been any outages... And the numbers appear to be good. Is there something I'm missing? Franz opened a box of cigars and offered one to Fowler. He took it and both men lit up. You know, Tom, I've owned and disposed of over two dozen successful companies in my life. Many people, when they just have one successful company, think that they have succeeded and do not need to do anything more. I always like to sell out at the top. Of course... You can keep taking the profits until the idea is spent and everyone else has moved on, but where's the fun in that? Franz smiled. The fellow nodded politely. So you're planning to sell CityNet? wondered Fowler. No, no, Tom, not at all. Fowler exhaled some smoke, confused. You see, Tom, when a company is as successful as CityNet, you must keep growing or you will die. Here on Erstel, there is no more land. We can build up, but there are limits to that too. The queues continue to grow for those who are trying to sign on. Demand is simply outstripping supply. We are building up the service as best we can, but we are physically constrained. Within one to two years, we will be able to grow no more and users may decide to go to use another surface. Franz picked up a small device from his desk. When I first came here, Tom, with my small group of associates, Erstel was nothing more than a pile of rocks with some simple dwellings. Even the dome was leaking. Many of my employees quit and returned home to Earth within a few weeks. Life here was simply too difficult for them. Now people fight for the right to become citizens of Erstel and to live here. Who would have thought it? To settle initially here required that I took a risk, and now it's time to take another one. It's time for us to rebuild Erstel in a new fashion that will make us the envy of the sector and even the so-called advanced species who look down on us. They will be forced to take notice. What I show you must remain between the two of us until I make a formal announcement. Do you understand? Fowler nodded interestedly. This is our future, Tom. Behold, new Erstel. Franz pressed a button on the handheld device, and a giant, rotating halo world appeared between the two men. It will be larger and more technically advanced than even the Cotasian halo worlds. We're going to have highlight integration in all living quarters to the city net service, and each sector will have its own customizable living environment so that it feels just like home for each species. 
For the first time, Tom, humans will be leading the way instead of merely following. This will be the new high ground for our species. Instead of building warships like they do on Earth, we will be building a world for all species to occupy, and at its heart will be CityNet, run by humans. I want to run more than just a profitable business, Tom. I want to start making history. I want to have people write about us and explain how we change things for the better. Fowler sat back. How are we going to afford it? Even Earth couldn't afford to build it. Franz smiled. The corporations are coming, Tom, from all over the galaxy. Aliens of every shape and size. They all want to be a part of CityNet. Franz opened a graphic showing the exponential growth in sign-up statistics. Even the aligned worlds want to be a part of it. Think about that, Tom. The aligned worlds. Think about what that means for you and me, and particularly our children. I have been conducting private negotiations with them to buy up areas on the new world. Next month I will be holding a press conference to announce the tendering and construction of New Earthstone. First, I need your advice on something. We will be looking to hire someone to oversee the detail of this project. I can't emphasize enough to you how important it is that we have the right person to oversee this. I have interviewed a candidate, but there is an issue. I cannot divulge the identity of the person for legal reasons. Franz smiled and Fowler nodded understandingly. The candidate has a proven track record of delivering large projects like this and is very well respected. However, there is one problem. Let me show you. Franz produced another image of a psych profile. The psych profile appears to be good, but pay attention to the bottom. The measurements were all in the red. It appears that the candidate has a serious flaw in his personality. The assessor was not able to determine the true extent of the problem due to the, the evasive nature of the candidate during the questioning. The assessor concluded that the candidate is potentially unstable and is hiding some truth which may be due to a childhood trauma or something else of a personal nature. The recommendation was that the candidate would possibly do something inappropriate sooner or later and possibly damage both himself and the company in the process. What do you think, Tom? Should I hire him? This is a very important project. I need to be sure. Franz looked over at Tom and drew deep on the cigar. I've hired hundreds of people since I've joined CityNet, said Fowler. And to be frank, the psych profiles have always proven to be true sooner or later. But the analyst only says possibly. It's a hard call, said Fowler. Yes, it is. Franz stubbed at his cigar. So, I decided to ignore this report and hire this person. Fowler raised his eyebrows. You did? Franz nodded. I hired this person over ten years ago because I believed in this person no matter what the psych profile told me. I used my gut instinct. The person was you, Tom. Franz pressed the button again. Another page appeared. A Fowler's application form appeared with his picture. A Fowler flushed, feeling a mixture of both confusion and anger. I don't understand. What's the point of this? asked Fowler. Franz sat forward. I know about your drug problem, Tom. The city net logs you've tried to cover up are still sent to my operations staff. They have operational oversight. They informed me last week of your addiction. Your bias signs were red flagged. Fowler tried to look away. There, mu there must be some mistake. Franz smiled weakly. I am rich, Tom, but I am not stupid. Please do not insult me. Even now your pupils are dilated, and your serotonin levels are off the scale. I have sensors installed throughout my house as part of its security system. It flagged you as soon as you've walked in. Fowler dropped his head, thinking Franz had brought him to his house to personally fire him. He sighed. Okay, enough with the games. I'll go home and tender my resignation, and we'll finish this quietly. 
Fowler attempted to stand up, but Franz urged him to sit down. Francis' mood softened. No, please, wait a moment, Tom. Do not misunderstand. I need to talk with you. If I'd wanted to fire you, I would have Monique do it while I was on my rally. I brought you here because you are both a friend and an employee. I need to speak with you as a friend. First, let's have some iced tea and calm things down, okay? Fowler wiped his sweaty hands off his face, nodding uncertainly. They were beginning to shake a little. It was turning out to be a strange day. You know, Tom, there are many people who think that I have a perfect life. They think that if they were as rich as I am, they would never have any problems. Admittedly, when I was younger, I was very happy being single, and I enjoyed the company of many beautiful women. Over time, I realized that they were not in love with me, they were in love with my money. Then I met Sarah, and she changed my life. She was so different from the others. I knew it the minute I met her. She would reach out to strangers and offer them unconditional kindness. Even the paparazzi liked her when I married her. She was a beacon of light in a self-centered and greedy world. We used our celebrity to help people in hardship, and it felt good. She was particularly moved by what she saw in the colonies. We saw many children in need of urgent medical attention, and I had the resources to help. I must admit, though, as time passed, I grew tired of the long trips and wanted to do something else. The night before Sarah's last trip to the colonies, we had a very big row. She wanted me to travel with her again. I had already booked my rally and I told her I couldn't go. In reality, I didn't want to go. She said there were people dying who needed our help, and I was just thinking of myself and my frivolous car driving. There was an outbreak of a new virus in the colonies, and many thousands were either ill or dying. It was all over the news. She wanted to go there to help once more. That was how Sarah was. She was always putting others before herself. So, she went to the colonies, and I went rallying in the desert. I figured I could make it up to her when she got back. Franz dropped his head and sipped his tea. And then the war broke out with the Ixians. His voice broke a little. We were all in shock. I got a short video message from her. She said she was making her way to a small neutral colony called Erstel. We had been there before, and I had not thought much of it. Suddenly, this small world became a lifeline for us. I got word to Erstel immediately that she was coming, but it was already too late. Shortly after that, I received word that her ship had been destroyed by the Ixians and my world fell apart. Franz sipped his iced tea thoughtfully. For two years, I became a recluse. Sandra occasionally visited me on her school holidays, but she was cold and distant. I think she blamed me for what happened to her mother, and still does. They were very close. Inside, I was full of anger and pain with what had happened to me. I felt I had been cheated of happiness. I had all the money a man could want. But I was nothing more than an empty shell. I became addicted to prescription medication, but it only made things worse. My moods became erratic. I was consumed with uncontrollable hatred of six sins. But, but I hated myself most of all. The guilt was tearing me apart. If only I had gone with her, I would have figured something out. I know it. I would have been able to save her. Night after night, I had kept having the same recurring dream of how I saved her. Then, in the morning, I would awake in the empty house and she was gone again. They say that the hardest thing to do is to forgive those who commit crimes against you. If you can let go... It frees you of your hate and allows you to move on. For me, I knew 
I had determined to forgive the Ixians as the years passed. There were atrocities on both sides in the war. We even scored many times over. However, I still did not know if I could forgive myself for not being there for her when she needed me the most. In the end, I went into rehab and I learned to forgive both myself and the Ixians. But in order to do that, I made myself a solemn promise that I would make amends for not being there for Sarah. The promise I made to myself was to sell everything I owned and go to Erstel and turn it into a beacon of light, as she would have wanted for both the Ixians and humanity, so a war like this would not happen again. I had to give myself a second chance, Tom, to move forward. CityNet is my attempt to apologize to Sarah for being so selfish. I want to offer you a second chance, Tom. Because I think you and your family deserve it. Maybe I should not have been away so much. Maybe if I had been around, this would not have happened to you. I placed a lot of responsibility on your shoulders. Maybe more than was fair. If you're going to help me build new air still, I need you cleaned up and refocused. I know you can do this job. You're the best I have, but you need to get back on track. Do you want that? He met Fowler's sad eyes. Fowler nodded. Good man. Franz took a card out of his desk and gave it to Fowler. You have been enrolled in a drug rehabilitation program on Earth. Officially, if anybody inquires, you are on sabbatical. If the press finds out about this, I want you to simply say you signed yourself in. Do you understand? Fowler nodded slowly, head hung low. Come back only when you are ready. Your job will still be here for you. That is my word. Now go and don't let me down. Fowler nodded and took the card, leaving the office. He felt drained and slightly emotional, rubbing his eyes. He pocketed the card and walked past the conservatory. Sandra was spraying some of her favorite flowers, touching the delicate leaves with her manicured fingers. Have a good trip, Tom said Sandra. However, Fowler knew from the tone that she hadn't meant it. He bit his tongue, forcing himself to say nothing, feeling humiliated. In the conservatory, Sandra smiled quietly to herself, having overheard some of the private conversation between Tom and her father. Fowler remembered the trip he had made to Earth and how he had beaten his addiction there. When he had returned... All had seemed the same at first, but as he walked up the busy corridors, he knew that the word had somehow gotten out. There were looks and quiet whispers by the coffee station. He knew he had lost the respect of many of the people he worked with, but no one said it to him. It was an intangible feeling of loss, one which he still had to this day. "'So what's the plan?' asked Solomon in his pimped-up floater. Fallon looked over at Solomon determined not to fail. We're going to the stock exchange first. The Antex are gathering there for some reason, said Fowler. Then let's see if we can kill some of these things. Kay looked up at Fowler, a little surprised by his tone, and then went back to her analysis of the growing Antex infestation, realizing no one really knew Fowler. Inside my head, I'm wearing going mad. Grab out a simple thought, but find your problems instead. It's not my fault you're annoying me about your problems, like the stupid things bad people still controlling me. I'm half dead, or something breaking for you all, annoying me. 
Behind me, hope to create. 